Good evening, I'm Lydia Serrani in for Greg Kelly. As I watched my daughter in her Halloween parade at school today, a thought struck me. Yes, as I watched cute little kids in their costumes, this thought beams straight into my head. Joe must go. I mean, did you see him last night as he gave out Halloween candy at the White House? I mean, look at this. He could barely do it. He, he even drops the candy. Look at that. Drops the candy. His hands is shaking. I mean, I'm not a doctor, but look at this. His hand is shaking pretty visibly. Uh, this is not normal. Uh, again, I'm not a doctor, but I have two eyes, and I have elderly loved ones, and I see a man deteriorating right before our eyes, and a man who clearly does not project strength at home, and definitely not on the world stage. At this point, Biden is a treat for Republicans, because there's no way he can win one year from now. Think about it. I mean, he just sniffed kid. I, I Really? I mean, th this guy has no clue about personal boundaries. And, and I'm now wondering if Democrats are tricking us and planning to replace him with shadow campaigner, a.k.a. used car salesman, slick uh, Governor Gavin Newsom right there. Again, I'm not a doctor, but something is really wrong with Joe Biden. The way he walks is stiff. He can't walk up a flight of stairs. The confusion. And now the hand tremor. And yes, I know it's it's related to old age, but either way, this is not the image we want our adversaries to see. This projects weakness, not strength. Dr. Jill Biden, I know you're not a real doctor either, but come on. Enough is enough. Tell your husband for the good of this nation and for, for his own sake, give it up already. He can't win, especially with his base now turning on him. Muslim and Arab voters, many of whom traditionally voted Democrat, say they're now not going to vote for him because Biden hasn't gone far left enough to appease them during the Israeli war on Hamas. And back in June, 72% of American Jewish voters preferred Biden over Trump, 72%. But now Jewish leaders are writing op-eds like this one with the headline, Donald Trump never let us down. And you know what? That, that writer is right. Because from day one, Trump has been a strong supporter of Jews in Israel. Take a listen to what he said back in 2019. Omar is a disaster for Jewish people. I can't imagine if she has any Jewish people in her district that they could possibly vote for. Five years ago, the concept of even talking about this, even three years ago, of cutting off aid to Israel because of two people that hate Israel and hate Jewish people. I can't believe we're even having this conversation. Where has the Democratic Party gone? Where have they gone where they're defending these two people over the state of Israel? And I think any Jewish people that vote for a Democrat, uh, I think it shows either a total lack of knowledge or great disloyalty. Once again, Trump was right. He's been right on a lot of things, right? I mean, the economy, maintaining our status as energy independent, and how to maintain stability in the world by displaying Reagan-esque peace through strength. Deterrence means simply this making sure any adversary who thinks about attacking the United States or our allies or our vital interests concludes that the risks to him outweigh any potential gains. Once he understands that, he won't attack. We maintain the peace through our strength. Weakness only invites aggression. 
That was uh, Reagan in 1983, yet his words still powerful and meaningful for today. Think about it. Under Biden, we have no strength and we have no peace. And instead of working on maintaining world stability, Democrats and even some so-called Republicans are so emotionally blinded by their hatred for Trump that they have no issue whatsoever calling anyone who supports him an extremist. MAGA Republicans present a, quote, extremist threat to our democracy. The existential threat that Trump's MAGA movement poses to American democracy. Donald Trump and the MAGA movement pose a direct threat to American democracy. This MAGA threat is a threat to the brick and mortar of our democratic institutions. Yeah, when White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre was asked yesterday if those chanting in the streets now to kill all the Jews, she, she was asked, are they extremists? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Apparently for KJP, that's just going way too far. Take a listen. What I can say is what we've been very clear about this. When it comes to anti-Semitism, there is no place. We have to make sure that we speak against it very loud. Uh, and be uh, and be very clear about that. Nothing is clear about your stance, Biden administration, not when you're giving hundreds of millions of our taxpayer dollars to Gaza without any guarantee that it won't get into the hands of Hamas terrorists. When it comes to Joe in New York City, we say you keep talking out of both sides of your mouth. I'm Albanian. I'm first generation. We have a saying. It goes like this. You can't eat with two spoons. Try it. You can't do it. That's what Biden is doing. It's called appeasement. But appeasement, it always backfires. You, you can't appease radical leftists or terrorists. Eventually, it's either their way or off with your head figuratively and literally. The Obama-Biden administration has always been about appeasement. Remember when Biden was VP in 2015? He said the Iran nuclear deal was a good deal for the world. This is a good deal. This is a good deal for the first and foremost for the United States. It's a good deal for the world, the region, and it's a good deal for Israel and uh, the uh, Gulf cooperation states. It's a good deal. How is it ever a good deal to give the largest state sponsor of terrorism billions of dollars? Of course, Biden immediately attempted to revive the deal when he became president. He also lifted sanctions against Iran, now making their coffers, thanks to oil sales, because we're no longer energy independent, an estimated $70 billion a year. Keep in mind, Iran's oil sales were about $6 billion under Trump. So why is anyone surprised, I know I'm not, that the base of the Democratic Party is anti-Semitic. Remember when Pelosi, Schumer, and all of them kneeled for BLM with their cheesy Amazon scarves wrapped around their necks? They kneeled for an organization that has always openly demonized Israel and Jews. Corporations, don't forget, they donated millions to BLM. Yet take a listen to BLM's co-founder Patrice Cullors back in 2015. The other thing I'll say is Palestine is our generation in South Africa. And if, if, if we don't step up uh, boldly and courageously to end the, the imperialist project that's called Israel, um, we're doomed. 
BLM and anti-Semitics, they go hand in hand. By the way, Patrice Cullors, she has since retired from BLM after she was busted buying large mansions with the billions raised. Perhaps BLM should stand for buys large mansions instead. But yes, we are doomed, and not for the reason she said. We are doomed as a nation, as a world, if Biden is elected again. If Biden can do so much damage in just three years, can you, can you imagine how much worse it will get? And that's one scary thought for you on this Halloween. Joe Biden is clearly not the person we need leading America right now to be the leader of the greatest nation on earth. Every move Biden makes, America comes last and our adversaries first. Meantime, our world's stability has now been jeopardized. Pentagon spokesperson Brigadier General Pat Ryder announced today that the U.S. will deploy additional troops overseas. Today, I can announce the decision to deploy an additional 300 troops to the U.S. Central Command Region from home stations in the continental United States. These additional troops will provide capabilities and explosive ordnance disposal, communications, and other support enablers for forces already in the region. And yesterday, four bases where U.S. troops are stationed in the Middle East were attacked by an Iran-backed Islamic resistance group. The rocket attacks didn't result in any casualties, but two dozen troops were injured following a similar attack a few weeks ago. We're joined now by counterterrorism and foreign policy expert Lisa Deftari. Also joining us, former State Department and former State Department Special Advisor on Iran, Gabriel Narona. Thank you both for joining us. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Gabriel, first to you, let's take a listen to what John Kirby said earlier this month when it comes to Iran. Hamas wouldn't have been able to function at all had it not been for propping up by the Iranian regime. But we haven't seen any specific evidence uh, that tells us they were uh, witting, involved in the planning, uh, or uh, involved in the resourcing and, uh, and the training that went into this very complex set of attacks over the weekend. I mean, since he said this, the American bases have been attacked. We learned from a Wall Street Journal report that Hamas terrorists trained in Iran prior to the October 7th attack. I mean, is the Biden administration simply sticking their head in the sand? I mean, why, why won't they call Iran out for, for, for what they are? Look, they are desperate to avoid any implication that Iran was involved in killing uh, over 30 Americans because they don't want to take action to punish Iran. Um, they don't want to have to uh, do the difficult but necessary work to deter them from killing even more Americans today. And Lisa, one more moment from Kirby, this one from earlier today. Take a listen. I want to be very clear on this. We have seen no indication, none, that Hamas has gotten their hands on any of the humanitarian assistance that has gone in. None of it. Is the Biden administration underestimating Hamas? I mean, because I've, I've, served, I've seen some reports where they say they're worse than ISIS. Yeah, it's absolutely impossible to vet, uh, to make sure where this humanitarian aid is going, uh, just like it's impossible to vet who's coming through our southern border. I mean, these are these, this is not something that the White House can, can ever guarantee us. But what we do have to uh, be is realistic and to be realistic to say, if we give humanitarian aid, if we give any kind of support to Gaza, we're giving it to Hamas. And we hope that it falls into the right hands, but the risk is always there that it will fall into the hands of terrorists who will use it for terrorism and not for humanitarian purposes. Right. Why not just be honest and say, we don't know? 
we don't definitively know right. because we know Hamas controls the region. So how can we know for sure the money is going into the right hands? Uh, Gabriel, the Department of Defense announced that the U.S. will pursue a new nuclear gravity bomb, saying that the U.S. has a responsibility to assess and field capabilities we need to deter and respond to strategic attacks. This weapon would be 24 times more powerful than the bomb dropped at Hiroshima. What do you think about this move? Well, what I'm most concerned about is reports that China is now up to 500 nuclear weapons. Um, they weren't supposed to get here until 2030. Uh, and so the United States hasn't actually been able to build a new nuclear bomb in almost 30 years. Uh, we have to do a lot of modernization, and this bomb is part of it. Um, we don't ever hope to use it, but the best prevention uh, is a strong offense, and that's, that's the military's hope here. We have to leave it right there. Gabriel, Lisa, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks. As we enter the fourth week of this war against Israel, a new concern grows for Israelis. How does Hamas's convoluted tunnel network of terror impact the war? What are the chances of a ground offensive by Hamas? We'll talk the latest after the break. Millions of Americans like you are watching Newsmax for the news they really need to know. And I'm one of them. Each night, watch Newsmax for great shows with Greta Van Susteren, Rob Schmidt, Eric Bowling, and more. Sunday nights, don't forget to check out my show, Huckabee. It's informative and a lot of fun, just like me. So tune into Newsmax today. It's real news for real people. Hamas continues with the IDF pushing deeper into Gaza as their ground incursion intensifies. Earlier today, a key terrorist leading the October 7th attack on Israel was killed along with 50 other Hamas terrorists. But Hamas's extensive 300-mile tunnel system is effective in moving weapons and terrorists. They'll use the tunnels to hide and attack Israeli soldiers in ambush attacks. So what's next for the ground war? Let's bring in IDF international spokesperson, Lieutenant Colonel Jonathan Kornikus. Thank you so much for joining us, sir. Thank you for having me. Colonel, the IDF released a video displaying how Hamas utilizes these tunnel networks to plan attacks that is allegedly filled with hundreds and thousands of like these booby traps. Israel is now vowing to decimate this network with the deployment of what's called sponge bombs to seal and then block off Hamas tunnels. Uh, can you talk more to us about what this tactic is about? Yes, well, there's more than one way to skin a cat. And the tactic that you refer to is one tool that we have at our disposal, but there are other ways. Um, I cannot go into details because I do not want to reveal to the enemy what we have prepared and how we are going to meet them. Uh, what I can say is that we are facing a significant military challenge. Hamas has spent many years and millions of dollars in building an elaborate network of tunnels underneath the population of Gaza, using the civilians as their human shields and trying to hide away from our capability to attack them in their relative safety. But I think that what Hamas will eventually find is that these tunnels will not be an advantage. They will also be a liability for them because we will reach them, we will find them, and we will deal with them tactically. And if we zoom out for a second to the bigger picture here, we're fighting actively on uh, one front, but we're really attacked 
from Lebanon, from Syria, and from the south as well. As we speak, we have just uh, intercepted incoming missiles and aerial threats in our south, in Eilat. There's been rocket fire from Syria, and there have been continued attacks by Hezbollah from Lebanon. So we're focused on Hamas, but we are vigilant and defending ourselves on all fronts against various types of Iranian aggression. Do you feel that the United States has been the strong ally Israel needs? I think that we in Israel definitely appreciate both the verbal uh, statements made, the clear commitment that of the support of the United States made by the president and by all of the elected officials and the higher military echelon. We appreciate the very intimate relationship that we have with the U.S. Armed Forces, with Central Command, and the both tactical and strategic coordination that we have. We appreciate the armaments and the resupply of crucial weapons that we need in order to defend ourselves. And I think it is very important that we receive the diplomatic cover at the U.N. in any other location. I would say that it is very important to maintain that line and constantly reiterate what this war is about. This war is not about what we're seeing here. That is temporary. These images are temporary. This war is about ensuring that communities in southern Israel will be able to flourish under safety and security again, because until we rid the Gaza Strip of Hamas, that will not happen, and that is a situation that is unsustainable. We will eradicate Hamas, we will provide safety to our civilians, and we will bring back our 240 hostages held by Hamas. Colonel, we have about a minute left. What's next after this uh, ground incursion? I know there, it's not even the full one yet. No, we will continue to expand our operations wherever Hamas is. We will take the battle to them. We will seek to dismantle their military infrastructure. Uh, we will find them in their tunnels and we will continue to hunt their commanders. We will do so while distinguishing between combatant and non-combatant. And we will do so with regards to the laws of armed conflict. The end state is clear, a dismantling of Hamas and the return of safety and security to southern Israel. Lieutenant Colonel, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. We have a big announcement. Newsmax is launching Newsmax Plus. That means starting on Wednesday, November 1st, tomorrow. If you watch Newsmax now on streaming services like Samsung, Roku, Zumo, Pluto, Vizo, and other services, even the Newsmax app on your phone, you'll now need to subscribe to Newsmax Plus. Once you sign up for Newsmax Plus, you can watch Newsmax by getting our app or on your TV store or by signing in with your username and password in the Newsmax app. It works just like Netflix and other Plus services. So you can keep watching our great shows with Rob Schmidt, Greta Van Susteren, obviously Greg Kelly, Eric Bowling, and more, including Carl Higby, Chris Salcedo, Mike Huckabee, and more. Think about it. No one covers the news like Newsmax, the 2024 presidential race, and what's happening around the world. And Newsmax Plus gives you all of our show archives and, and great news specials with President Trump, stories about the Biden administration, and even history and current affairs programs that help inform and educate your family. So start today and go to NewsmaxPlus.com and sign up. If you like Newsmax, you're going to really love Newsmax Plus. Go to NewsmaxPlus.com and sign up today. All right, don't go anywhere. Another day, another set of corruption charges regarding America's leadership. How do we save America and amid internal and overseas threats? We'll talk about it after the break.
Newsmax. Shoots it straight. No talking down to me. Don't tell me how to think. Don't tell me how to think. Don't tell me how to think. I trust Newsmax. Newsmax. They don't tell me how to think. They let me decide. Real news for real people. FBI Director Christopher Wray clearly has misplaced priorities, to say the least. While the Bureau focuses on MAGA extremists, white supremacists, and traditional Catholics, actual terrorists are now jeopardizing our national security. Wray sat before the Senate Homeland Security Committee hearing today and take a listen to what he had to say. The reality is that the terrorism threat has been elevated throughout 2023, but the ongoing war in the Middle East has raised the threat of an attack against Americans in the United States to a whole nother level. A whole other level? Thank God our border is rock solid and secure, right? Yeah, I mean, my sarcasm, sarcasm aside, the real question is, how do we keep America safe when our administration and intelligence agencies are focusing on the wrong groups of people? Let's bring in our experts, former FBI agent and former Navy SEAL Jonathan Gilliam. Also with us, retired Air Force Special Operations Commander Glenn Ignazio. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us here on Greg Kelly Reports. Good to be with you. With you. Glenn, I'll start with you first. Your take on Ray's testimony today. Well, I think his testimony is correct, where there is definitely an increase in the threat uh, situation in the United States. I mean, it, it doesn't even have to have the particular issues of what's going on in Israel right now with the whole idea of what's going on with China. China is exceptional with their spies. I would be walking people into the United States if I was an adversary. And so some of those agencies are working pretty hard, like CBP and some of the folks in the desert doing dangerous jobs. But the idea that we have a completely open access to our southern borders, anybody and everyone that wants to do harm to the United States, it's a perfect opportunity for them to take advantage of. And God only knows how many people came in without us even knowing. God only knows how many of them are already here waiting to strike. And Jonathan, uh, National Security Council spokesperson John Kirby, he was asked about potential threats facing our nation. Take a listen. Is it possible that somebody who wants to commit a terrorist attack during a time of elevated threat crossed the southern border into the United States already? I, I couldn't possibly answer that question, Peter. All I can do is tell you that we, are, we have remained vigilant to that potential threat. How are they vigilant when they're not even vetting anyone that comes across the border? I'm here in New York City, and let me tell you, all you see is young, able-bodied, illegal aliens riding around in their scooters. If you listen to the question that was asked there is, is it possible? And he says he doesn't know. If he doesn't know that it's possible for terrorists to cross over a border that's wide open, then John Kirby is as big of a fool as, as most people believe that he is. And this is what, one thing that's interesting. You know, when, when they go before, like Christopher Ray goes before uh, the House and uh, or the Senate and talks about these different things, you have to be careful of what he says. Yes, he is correct. There is an elevated threat. But, the, but what is not being asked is, how is that possible? How is it possible that the threat was allowed to become elevated in a world where we know it is more dangerous and the, and the Islamic fundamentalists, not radical, the Islamic fundamentalists want to attack this nation just as bad as they want to attack Israel? How did it become possible? That should have been the very next question when he said, yes, it's elevated. The next question should have been, how is that possible? And when you look at Christopher Ray 
and you look at John Kirby, what you start to see is not incompetence, but a political game that is calculated and being played against the American people and further uh, insinuated by the media when they don't ask these follow-on questions that are so important. Right. And oftentimes they're not even allowed to ask a follow up question. And we know that if Hamas hates Israel, they call Israel little Satan, right, Iran, and they call the United States big Satan. They hate us, democracy, all of it. They want it wiped away. Glenn, let's uh, go abroad to the Middle East. According to U.S. officials, our troops have been attacked by Iranian backed militias at least 23 times in less than two weeks. At least 14 of these rocket and one way drone attacks have occurred in Iraq, another nine in Syria. In response, Biden has ordered airstrikes against weapons and ammunition storage sites. Do you think this is the right move to deter further attacks? I would uh, do something a little bit more intense to that. This is a reactive in nature, and, and we do have to balance this. This is like a knife edge on this. But you have seen, and it has been said, if Iran takes any active steps, you know, we will respond in kind. Now, what kind of definition is that? Is that they've attacked, you know, American soldiers and they've injured many of them with traumatic brain injuries in all those particular areas in Syria and Iraq. The Houthis in Yemen, the rebels out of there are completely back from Iran, launched missiles that the U.S. Navy intercepted. And in fact, Iran just intercepted one, I believe it was last night. On, that, on top of that, there's some missiles that were launched out of Syria that uh, you know Israel actually went and directed uh, an attack against those particular airstrips supporting it. So while that is happening, what is going on to actually prevent it or to intimidate or at least deter Iran? Uh, that's the open question. There should be something that is going on there. The presence is a buildup, but hey, just flexing your muscles, I think Iran knows that uh, flexing and performing and using those muscles are two different things, and I don't think our president can do that. I don't think Lydia, can, a lot of things. Can I'm I sorry. say one thing? Can sure. I say one thing to follow up on that? You know, if, if a person has cancer and the cancer causes a cough and the cancer causes severe pain, you don't go in and diagnose somebody with severe pain and a cough and treat those things. You go after the cancer and you take the cancer out. Iran is the cancer. Mm. And if we declared war on Iran and took out Iran, you wouldn't have war in Israel. You wouldn't have attacks on America. You wouldn't have Hamas or Hezbollah. You would have uh, a basically have wiped away the cancer. That right. is the reality in this. Iran is the cancer. And we'd also be embroiled in another world war, right? Jonathan Gillian. Well, yeah. you get rid of that cancer. That's for sure. Okay. All right. Thank you so much, guys, for your expert analysis, Jonathan Gilliam and Glenn Ignazio. Would the attack on Israel happened if Biden wasn't president? Would Russia have invaded Ukraine? Would Afghanistan not belong now to the Taliban? We can't help but think and ask these questions. The world was definitely a much more safer and peaceful place under President Trump. Even 62 percent of Americans believe that Putin would not have invaded Ukraine if Trump was the president. And to note, Trump has said that he could resolve that war within 24 hours. Let's bring in journalist Ed Henry to break it all down for us. Ed, thank you so much for being Great here on Bert Kelly Reports. Um, so we got to talk you. about the fake news, right? I mean, they can't help themselves mm. but to call the, the one president who didn't get us involved in any wars a warmonger. Take a listen. So what Trump is espouting is a isolationist economic policy and a total warmonger foreign policy. Trump would have gone crazy. People were calling President Trump a warmonger. They thought he was going to provoke a war with his rhetoric. How ironic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I remember covering President Trump. Uh, I was in Singapore 
uh, and I was in Vietnam when he was meeting with Kim Jong-un uh, to try to bring peace to the world. And everybody in the mainstream media practically was saying, this man is going to bring us World War III. He's going to bring us nuclear war. Instead, he did the opposite. He was so unpredictable uh, that dictators like Kim Jong-un didn't want to mess with him. Uh, Iran didn't want to mess around and back these militias. Uh, think about uh, President Trump taking out that Iranian general, Soleimani. That was a big, uh, taking a big terrorist leader, essentially, off the battlefield. Uh, and I think the opposite has happened under Joe Biden. As you just heard, Iran is the real cancer. Mm -hmm. Well, think about it. He freed up that $6 billion by essentially reviving the Iran nuclear deal, lifting sanctions, uh, and helping Iran get more money to potentially launch terror attacks like we saw on October 7th. I know. And, and Ed, you were a White House correspondent. I mean, have you hmm. seen anyone as bad as KJP? Let's take a listen to what she said earlier today. Look, I'm just going to be really, really careful on anything that is related to um, ballots, elections, uh, upcoming elections, especially as, especially as you're asking me uh, about 2024. I'm just not going to comment. I'm certainly not going to comment from this podium from here. All right, thanks, everybody. It's anti-democratic to refuse questions from one of our country's four largest newspapers, Korean. So that was a New York Post reporter shouting to her, saying, how come you refuse to answer a question from the one of the, nation, the nation's largest newspaper? Yeah. Why are they so afraid to actually, re, you know, respond to questions, say it in a truthful manner? Because the answers make no sense. I mean, you, to answer your question directly, I never saw a, a press secretary this bad. Here's why. Uh, last week, she was asked about the rising tide of anti-Semitism on college campuses, other places around this great country. She whiffed and said, no, let's focus on Islamophobia. Uh, she had to clean it up the next day. But I think yesterday she came back again and said, well, look, the real focus is on an, a disproportionate attack, a number of attacks on Muslims. Look, I'm not calling for attacks on anybody. There shouldn't be attacks on Muslims, Jews, Catholic, you name it. But what we're focused on right now, the reality in America, is a rising tide of anti-Semitism. To answer your other question, they don't want to give answers to what's obviously going bad under Joe Biden. I'd add one more thing. They don't answer questions almost anywhere. The Secretary of State, Tony Blinken, was on Capitol Hill today. He was asked by Senator Bill Haggerty of Tennessee three times, um, can you guarantee that U.S. taxpayer money was not used to fund these terror attacks in Israel on October 7th. Three times he didn't really directly answer the question. You know why? It's because Biden's given all this money to what he claims to be innocent Palestinians. And in fact, Blinken doesn't want to answer the question directly, Lydia, because uh, that money goes in the hands of Palestinians who, who basically it's grabbed by the Hamas terrorist leaders. Right. So we may have indirectly or directly funded those terror attacks. They don't want to answer the questions. I know they refuse to answer. How are we going to make sure that the money goes to the actual civilians and not for the terrorists so they can fund more terror attacks? It's incredible. Ed Henry, thank yeah. you so much for joining us. And Good I look you. forward to talking to you again real soon. Judge Tanya Chutkin uh, reimposes a gag order on President Trump, all while Trump continues to surge in the polls. We discuss this and more after the break. Newsmax shoots it straight. No talking down to me. Don't tell me how to think. Don't tell me how to think. Don't tell me how to think. I trust Newsmax. Newsmax. They don't tell me how to think. They let me decide. Real news for real people. Would a judge actually 
do that which would happen to a normal person and yeah. put somebody in jail for violating uh, a, an order not to uh, a, a gag order. I, I suspect that's not likely to happen um, with this defendant, but any other defendant uh, would probably be facing. You don't think that she would put him in jail or that they would decide to put him in jail ultimately? I, I, I just don't think so. Oh, there's Obama's attorney general, Eric Holder, uh, claiming it's an injustice when it comes to President Trump. No, not that it's an injustice the way the left keeps going after Trump. Holder's gripe that they're not going after Trump enough. Absolutely ridiculous. And, and now as the 2024 election nears, Democrats are rightfully fearing that Biden will lose. President Trump, he continues to surge in the polls. And it is abundantly clear Democrats will do anything they can to try and stop him. Joining us now to discuss is former acting U.S. Attorney General and author of Above the Law, Matt Whitaker. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Good evening. Good to be with you. So, Matt, uh, Eric Holder thinks Trump won't get any prison time. But take a listen to former White House lawyer Ty Cobb getting really overly excited over the thought of Trump going behind bars. Where does he end up on this? Well, the New York judge fined him $10,000. That's in a civil case. You know, that's not as consequential as Judge Chutkin's case. I think yep. Judge Chutkin, um, you know, prudently allowed Trump to try to persuade her to extend the gag order. Uh, she concluded, you know, on the basis of his conduct this week, not to do so. <laughs> and uh, I think she'll come in with a much heavier uh, uh, penalty. And ultimately, I think he'll, you know, spend a night or a weekend in jail. Wow. I think it's going to take that. I think it will take that to, you know, to stop him. Stop him from what? I mean, all of this over a gag order that Trump allegedly violated. Legal experts everywhere say it's incredible that this New York fraud case against Trump was even brought up against him. I mean, there's no victim here yeah. except for President Trump. Yeah, and there's so much to unpack here. I mean, first of all, you have somebody like Ty Cobb who begged President Trump for a job. Then you know took the job and now has used uh, that little bit of uh, attention to you know just bash the president. We've seen this on so many other people that used you know their work at the White House for President Trump that oftentimes they absolutely bent over backwards and begged the president to hire them to then you know bash the president. I don't think these people have a lot of credibility in my mind. But all that being said. These gag orders are very dangerous when you have somebody running for president and they're prevented from speaking uh, the truth. And, and I think this case, uh, especially the fraud case that's currently going on in New York, where the judge summarily uh, determined the case and now we're just talking about the remedy. You know, I think this this is a very dangerous case because, you know, the the, the facts are clearly in President Trump's favor. And, you know, he as he continues to demonstrate that he didn't do anything wrong, that he fully disclosed what his assets were, that the prices that he estimated, and for example, the price of Mar-a-Lago, uh, you know, this judge thinks it's worth 18 million. I was just down in West Palm Beach. There's about 12 uh, properties that go from the inter intercoastal to the ocean. And, you know, those are uh, almost priceless, but if you're going to uh, write a check for him, it's going to have a lot more zeros on it than what this judge thinks. So this case just seems to me to be uh, one of the weakest. But, you know, this is New York's trying to get Trump out of New York and, quite frankly, do political damage to him. 
Right. It's a very serious case, although it just, it, you know, the regular person is like, how can this be? I mean, how did a judge all of a sudden become like this amazing appraiser of properties? And then, of course, the latest attempt to stop Trump from becoming our next president again. Democrats are now trying to keep him off the 2024 ballot in Colorado. A state court in Denver began hearing arguments uh, on Monday in a lawsuit seeking to bar Trump from Colorado's 2024 ballot due to what happens on January. January 6th. What do you think about this? Yeah, this this legal theory is really crazy because, you know, they're using the 14th Amendment was passed after the Civil War and directed, obviously, Confederate troops. It was ultimately amended uh, through the 1800s uh, to allow uh, Confederates to serve in Congress uh, and the legislature. But, you know, that being said, uh, there's somehow, you know, they're getting witnesses like Eric Swalwell uh, to emotionally describe how they felt on January 6th. No relationship to actually what the 14th Amendment was passed or, or the historical tradition with which it right. was uh supposed to qualify or disqualify people. It, has, it doesn't apply to President Trump. Everyone knows that. But this is just a very blue state that's, again, trying to throw sand in the gears to slow Trump down because they know he's going to win. They know he's going to win. You're right. Matt Whitaker, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Good to see you. The White House's annual Halloween party caused quite the stir between Jill Biden's costume and President Biden's uh, candy handling skills. We'll break everything down after this. And welcome back to Greg Kelly Reports. Uh, the media gushed over Jill Biden's Halloween costume when she dressed up as her cat Willow at the annual White House Halloween party. The fake news media went so far as to call Jill Biden the chicest gray cat there ever was. Maybe she should have dressed up as a doctor instead. Hmm. Meantime, when country singer Jason Aldean and his wife Brittany dressed up as Trump and Biden, there was no media praise or attention. Hmm. How interesting is that? Let's bring in editor-in-chief of the Florida Standard and the author of Do Not Comply, Will, uh, Will Witz. Also joining us, former speaker of the Oklahoma House of Representatives, T.W. Shannon. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. T.W., earlier in the show, the Bidens, we showed them they participated in the annual White House Halloween party. We played video of Biden sniffing babies, dropping candy, um, you know, shaking. His hands were, were shaking. And the fake news doesn't even mention all of this nonsense. Could you imagine if this was President Trump fumbling and bumbling like this? Well, you know, this president has gotten a free pass from this media even before the, he was inaugurated. Uh, during the campaign, he obviously campaigned from his basement. Now, I got to tell you, lady, I am probably the Ebenezer Scrooge of Halloween. I hate Halloween. I hate everything about it. But this was a great example of how the media covers up the health of Joe Biden. And his health is not just a matter of political fodder. This is a matter of national security. And we were talking earlier about the first lady's uh, costume. If they really want to be effective, Let's dress up as border agents and let's go secure our border, our southern border, which is wide open. We are under attack right now. And unfortunately, our borders open because of the policies of Joe Biden. And Jill Biden hadn't helped very much either. Now, I mean, if that was my husband, I would just say, honey, it's time to stay home. It's enough. It feels like, <laughs> feels like elder abuse at some point. I, I really do. I mean, I see my mom with my dad and she knows his limitations and you just wonder what the heck is going on. Now, Will, today Biden delivered remarks on protecting America's uh, Americans retirement security. Take a listen to what he said. When you've bounced a few checks like I did, you know, when I was trying to get started it uh, anyway. 
That's over. Okay, so he's he's joking around about bouncing checks and the crowd laughs. I mean, this is such a clear example of how the left continues to prop him up regardless of, of what he says. Every time he goes off script, he makes no sense. Yeah, you know, I actually just got back from a month-long college book tour where I went and was promoting my new book all around and, and speaking about it. And I talked to all these young liberals and leftists on campus, and the thing that you find so funny about them is they actually think that Joe Biden is just as bad as so many of us Republicans come on and think. And so I think when we're coming and talking about, you know, these issues plaguing our country, the financial problems, the economic instability, the culture war that we're fighting, I think almost sometimes we're focusing too much on Joe Biden and that these leftist media outlets who push him are doing it for a reason to take away from the things that really matter in this country. I think that we as conservatives, people who believe in the truth more or less, need to come and say, listen, there are things that are affecting this country right now. Obviously, Joe Biden can't get even a sentence put together and figure out what is going on, even with his, his shoelaces. How can we actually fix the things that are taking place in this country right now and, and bring conservatism back to America? I'll ask you both this same question, and T.W., you can go first. I want you to take a look at California Governor Gavin Newsom playing basketball with some kids. Uh, let's look at some of that video. Look at it. He falls on a kid there. Um, what do you think about this? Uh, do you think he's trying to, say, run for president? He's doing this shadow campaign, and like his campaign, it's it's falling flat like this? Well, there's no question <laughs> he has, you know, huge aspirations uh, to, to be president. But I think he's probably got a better shot at that than he does the NBA. But the truth is, his record is going to prevent him from being president. What is his campaign slogan? Let's make America more like California. Not even Californians want that. In fact, you look at their latest United States senator who was just appointed. She even fled from the state of California. This is a state that has gone, that has that has really fallen apart under Gavin Newsom's watch. And uh, I think Americans are not going to soon forget that. So, yeah, I think he's definitely interested in the presidency, but Americans are not interested in Gavin Newsom whatsoever. Well, what do you think? 20 seconds to you. Yeah, I think that video is, first of all, hilarious watching him fall <laughs> over this kid. And secondly, I'm a California refugee. I left California and moved to Florida. And I can tell you that it is worse than you guys see on the Twitter clips and everything there. I lived in Hollywood, California. And Gavin Newsom is not someone who people have want really anything to do with. He's debating or he, he is debating Governor Ron DeSantis on November 28th. And I think Gavin Newsom is going to come out and not look too good despite his smooth hair and slick talking. Right. Two guys who I doubt will uh, ever be president. Will Witt, T.W. Shannon, thank you both. Thank you. All right, everyone. We'll be right back. And that's all we have for you tonight. I'm Lydia Serrani. As I like to end every show I host, trust and remember that God is with you in always, always. Greg Kelly will be back tomorrow night. Chris Plants and the Right Squad starts right now. <laughs>